0: Welcome back to A Place Called Porch. Today it is our extreme honor to have April Sue Sales here with us. Um, April and I have known each other, God, since I've been like, ever. (laughs) I was like, I can't even think of an age. Um, But I think I first became acquainted with you. And I always put you and Jamie McGee together because it was the princess contest. That's right. And I think the first time I ran in the princess contest, I was 10. It was the elementary division. Mm -hmm. And I I remember crying after my interview because I was scared to death. I couldn't remember anything. I hadn't studied like I should have. Yeah, it was a wreck. (laughs) But I honestly, I was thinking about it um, actually just recently, and I thought to myself, I think that might have had something to do with why I ended up going into communications. Because after getting caught flat-footed in that interview, I was like, I never want to experience that feeling again. And so it made me really want to focus in on how do I avoid this happening in the future, you know. But, yeah. So you and Jamie (laughs) were – and I'm, I'm have no doubt that there were lots of other people involved, but I just always remember it being you and Jamie. Yep, and, that's correct. And um, Jamie was more of like the motherly, like it's going to be okay, <laughs> don't stress out, like especially on like powwow day where your just nerves are just frazzled, and like interview day, and April Sue is always the one showing you how to do the bead work and showing you how to fringe mm-hmm. your shawl and all that kind of stuff. You know so. Um, whenever I was thinking about this interview, I was like, oh, and you, April Sue has raised all these princesses and taught all these princesses. Have you ever been a princess yourself? Nope,
1: never did. Why not? So I'll tell you how, how all of that got started. Okay, let's see. Um, so I can thank Tim Martin for bringing me back to the tribe. Mm. Um, during the time that I was at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Uh, We became federally recognized while I was away at college. Okay. Um, So toward the end of my four and a half years at Alabama, because I couldn't decide what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, because obviously I haven't decided that because I have a degree in psychology. There's a little bit of what I use psychology (laughs) for these days, but not what I started out doing with Uh the tribe. And, um, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones, so you had to actually wait until you called home or someone called your um phone in the apartment. So either way, Tim Martin called and said, it's time for you to come home. No matter what you have going on, it's time for you to come home. I said, um, what am I coming home to? Because I never thought when I left here... um After I graduated from college, from high school, I mean, I never thought I would come home and, number one, work for the tribe. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, Number two, with the degree that I had, what was I going to do in Porch, Alabama? Mm -hmm. Because my degree is in psychology. My um, minor is in marketing. Okay. So those two together, what was I going to do? He said, it's time for you to come home. Mm -hmm. I said, Okay. What am I going to (laughs) do? He put me with family services. Mm -hmm. So back then, family services, the director was Georgia Lee Griffey. Okay. And that's who was responsible for the princess contest. Oh, so So it fell under
0: family services back then. It it
1: did. It it fell under family services. So after a while, um, um, Georgia Lee said, you know, this is just not my forte, <laughs> and it just kind of migrated over to us, to me, mm-hmm. and then um, the tribe felt it needed to be a committee response, mm-hmm. and that's how Jamie
0: came about. So, George Lee was doing it prior to you doing it. Yes, Okay, because yes. that was going to be one of my questions was who had it before then? Because we've had the princess
1: contest forever, forever. Yeah, I'm not sure who had it before Georgia Lee, uh-huh. but when I came back to the tribe after I graduated from Alabama, um, Georgia Georgia Lee had it, and then I inherited it. Okay. Yes.
0: Um, so. So then from there, is that when Cultural took it over? Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: When when um, we migrated to the point that we had so many employees and it was time for the employees to have a choice where they want to work that day mm-hmm. or go um, home and enjoy their family that day. And Cultural um, was able to have a budget where they could higher yeah. outside people mm-hmm. um, then what happened is they were able to then back up and say okay you guys don't have to do that anymore but do you want to do it and at that point in time i was with the fire department things were moving mm-hmm. um, we had to set things up and get things organized and i just felt there was somebody else who could give it more time mm-hmm. then
0: and which is I in- what's interesting is my sister's the one that's yes. responsible for the princess contest oh. now, and she she definitely went through her paces with the princess Contest oh, too yes. back in the
1: day. Yep. Hit all those divisions, girl. Oh uh, <laughs> yes. Well, and the, the the thing about it is is we changed as as years went through. Of course, it didn't look um, when I took over. It didn't look like like it was when Georgia had it, mm-hmm. and then of course it doesn't look now. Mallory having it it mm-hmm. doesn't look like what it was when I was there. Uh-huh. So it has um, transformed into what it is today. Yep. It's evolved. It's it, it has. It has evolved. And, and you have different divisions. There's no way we could have handled all those different divisions yeah. by ourselves. And um, uh, Gail Johnson was also. Gail Johnson ha- actually helped us a little along the way as well. Oh,
0: okay. Yep. Okay. Yep, she um, did. I sure do miss her, too. I do, too. Uh, yep. I do, too. Um, so... April Sue, your parents, for as long as I've known, have always lived right there
1: Absolutely. on Martin
0: Road. Yep,
1: um, Have they always been there? Yes, they were. As a matter of fact, no, they were not. Um, so um, there was a house. It's no longer there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was located at the entrance where Roland Hills is now Okay, on Martin Road. Of course, it wasn't ever Martin Road it mm-hmm. came much, much later with nine one one. But there was a um, house there, and it was always called the Sugar Shack okay. in this community. <laughs> um, and it, it was called the Sugar Shack because that's where all the young couples started. Oh, until my they could migrate to wherever they were going to go in the community. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather Alton Jackson paid. I want to say that my mama at one time told me it was either $25 or $30 that he paid for the two-by-fours to frame the house that my parents had. Oh, wow. And they built that house uh, not long after um, they got married, and they were actually in the house when I was born. Okay. Yeah. So they've been there. So
0: that's where you've been all your life? All my life, except except when I went away to college. Yes, that is correct. So... Let me back up a little bit. Who Who is your family? Because whenever we come, you know, people come to port. Mm-hmm. Who's your family? Who are you <laughs> related to? Who's your folks? So let's hear
1: the spiel, sister. So um, Alton Jackson is my maternal grandfather uh, and Mabel Jackson, McGee. Mabel McGee Jackson <laughs> is my um, maternal grandmother. Um, both of them are deceased. Um, but my grandmother's family actually came from porch, the other porch. The other porch. The other porch. <laughs> the other porch not the head of Padita porch, but the other porch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, historically, there is Hogfork people, there is head of Padita porch people, and then there's porch people. Mm-hmm. Um, My grandmother, we split the tracks. Okay. Because my grandfather was, his family was from porch Mm -hmm. or, see, my springs. And my grandmother's family was always porch people Mm -hmm. until they married. Mm -hmm. And then she became a Bedita porch person. (laughs) And then my grandfather, um, Eugene, my paternal grandfather, Eugene Sales, his family was in a politics in um, present-day, in Mobile, Pritchard. Oh, Pritchard. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, so he was in politics in Pritchard and at the Pentagon. Hmm. Whoa. Um, but that's the non-Indian side of the family.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't
1: know that much about the non-Indian side of the family because, unfortunately, um, they did not um, share the cultural views of my grandfather marrying my grandmother. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, so... Uh, There has been a time in which we've had to learn who that side of the family is all about. Um, But uh, don't nearly know as much about them as we need to know or should know. Um, But it's family nonetheless, Mm -hmm. and that is a part of who I am, i.e., the blonde hair, the blue eyes, (laughs) comes from the (laughs) sales side of of my family. And then, of course, Roberta Roberta Sales, who was a long-term council member for the tribe, and she's the one who actually taught my mother into um, being a member of the tribal council um, at the very beginning. So let's talk a little bit on
0: some things you touched on, which is a little bit about discrimination. Right. So, you know, I would say kind of back in the day, and one of the things that you kind of alluded to is that, Growing up in that time period for your parents, their parents' parents, they were not accept, always accepted because they were Indian. Yep. And now, you know, here you are, you've got blonde hair, blue eyes, fair mm-hmm. skin, and may not meet what people's ideal, you know, stereotype of an Indian looks like. I'm curious to know, have you experienced any discrimination based on the fact that you're, because you're very proud of your heritage. Of course. Yes. And everybody around here knows, like, April's one of ours. Yes. You know? <laughs> yep. But whenever you go outside and you tell people, like, I remember the Port Santa Creek Indians.
1: I call myself a card-carrying Indian. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a lot of people says, doesn't that bother you? No, because I had a very, very strong um, belief system in who I was. Mm-hmm. So it started with my great-grandmother. And um I can remember sitting in Mr. Tullis's and Buford's office at the very beginning, right after federal recognition, when I came back home and Buford would always say to me, April, what do you think Sister Rock would think about where we are right now? Mm-hmm. Sister Rock was my grandmother Mabel Jackson's mm-hmm. mother. Okay. Let me tell you something. She was In today's society, I would call her a very radical individual. Okay. Radical meaning that she didn't care who you were. Mm -hmm. She didn't care how much money you had. Um, She didn't care who you thought you were. Mm -hmm. But you were going to know who she was. Okay. (laughs) And she was very um, bold. She was uh, very in tuned into herself as being a Native American woman. Um, she was very, um, outspoken. She never, I've never seen, I've seen one photograph of her where she was laughing. Mm. She was very, a very stoic Indian woman. Mm -hmm. And the picture that we have, my mother has it. And they bought me a little music box for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I was in their living room. Um, singing and dancing to that music box, and my grandmother was in the background, just bowl over laughing. (laughs) I've never seen that before with my grandmother. Uh She was the only um, Indian woman, Indian period, in this community who would go down to the city cafe in downtown Atmore, Alabama, and eat in that cafe. And she would dare them to tell her that she could not eat there. (laughs) Nobody else would go in there because Mm -hmm. Indians were not allowed in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, so they, like, weren't allowed. Like, it wasn't just an unspoken rule. No, it was an unspoken rule. You were not allowed in there, but Margie McGee would go in there, and Margie McGee would dare them to tell her she could not eat there. And she is one of the few women, Indian, Indians, that... (laughs) was allowed in the city cafe and there's been no one to my recollection told her that she could not eat there. And um, I can remember my granny Mabel um, telling me that when all of that was going on that um, they felt so sorry for themselves because, you know, they didn't have a lot of, of course, media.
2: Yeah. And they
1: thought they were the only Indians in the world. Ah. Oh. They thought that there was nobody outside of this tribe except Porch Creek. Huh. Well, hmm. back then, you know, we wasn't called Porch Creek. We were called Eastern Band of uh, South of the Mississippi or whatever. East <laughs> uh, of the Mississippi. There you go. Yeah. So, and back then there was no name. Right. They knew they were Indian. They knew that they were different. Mm-hmm. Um, but my grandmother has always said that growing up, they thought, There's nobody being treated like this except us. Nobody Mm. in the world Mm. except them.
0: You know, that's so interesting. And I had like a very similar conversation with Robert Thrower many years ago. And he said that the conversation was about how, you know, we knew who we were. And we were treated differently. And everybody else knew who we were. Yep. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten treated differently. Yes. But it was still such a struggle for the federal government to acknowledge that we're different. We're Native yes. American tribe. Yep. And we're being treated differently because of it. So you should just go on ahead and
1: acknowledge. Yeah. It like We are who we that, say we are. That's true. And so going back to your original question, Um, did I face discrimination? Of course, because I can remember when we were at Freemanville, which was a small um, community school over in Freemanville, which is is our fire district. So Mm -hmm. we still run calls in that area. And they closed the school and shipped us all to Huxford, which Mm -hmm. was a cultural shock for us, even Mm -hmm. though we'd always grown up in a a very um, community school we were being thrust into a totally different environment because we had been to school with all these people, then all of a sudden they split us. So half of us went to Huxford, the other half went to Atmore. That was very unusual for us. Well, seventh grade, I went to Atmore, and at that point in time you had to stand up and say if you were part of a military family or if you were Indian. And I can remember standing up and people said, In classroom making fun of me. It didn't bother me. I knew who I was. It didn't matter that I had blonde hair and blue eyes. I knew who I was. I knew from the day that I was born and I could understand the stories of my grandmothers and my mother that I knew who I was. Mm -hmm. So I accepted it. I
2: -hmm.
1: accepted that I may not look like everybody else, but I know who I am. Mm -hmm. But there are people And I won't say any names, but there were people in that room with me who now say they are a member of this tribe that it's hard for me to forgive. Sure. Because they did not have enough courage or they were afraid of being made fun of that they wouldn't stand up. Mm -hmm. I know who I am. I know who I've always been.
0: I'm going to stand up. And you could have easily said my family's
1: a lot um, are and it would have yeah. been so easy for me it'd you. have been easy but was was that what my grandmother did all those years ago and went downtown and sat at that counter and and made them serve her no no that's not who that's not who I was raised to be no. that's not who I was taught to be mm-hmm. I was taught to be that person that I stood up and told people who I was no matter what mhm and um, so I'll be honest with you. I didn't know until years later that those individuals were saying they were part of this tribe. Now and I thought to myself. <laughs> no, you're not. You didn't, you didn't stand up and you didn't be counted when we needed to be. Yeah. Because the schools got extra money back then if you were part of a military family or if you classified oh. yourself as Indian. They got. I think it was Title Eight. There was there was a special. Um, Federal dollars that would come into the school system because of that. I
0: wondered about that because I, I thought, why would they ask about if you're military? or They Indian? did. They got extra money. So it was it was to it was to help the school get additional yes. funding. Yep. Um. But you know, April, what's so interesting? And you know, people that know me and my sister know mm-hmm. we have the same parents. You yep. look very different. Yeah, well, y'all do. My brother and I did too. Yeah. And so genetics don't. Genetics does not care. Genetics don't care, you know, what you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to classify yourself as. That's right. But I'll tell you, you know, um, she's just as proud. I mean, and she works for the cultural department, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's just as proud, has always been proud. And I remember when her daughter, um, my niece, Emmy Grayson, was, (laughs) um, I think she was about two or three. She could barely talk. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were teaching her, like, Stajati it means a red person, and Stahutki is a white person. And you know, I remember asking her because I was, um, I was, I was in school at the time and doing all these interviews and stuff, multi generational Mm -hmm. stuff with women and whatnot. But I asked Emmy Grace and I said, "Little girl, are you Stajati or are you Stahutki?" She said, "I'm Stajati," (laughs) and you know, and she's got blonde hair and blue eyes too. Mm -hmm. And so I think you hit on, th- there's such a pride in knowing like Granny Jackie was just dark and dark hair right. um, and having grandchildren that are blonde hair and blue eyes. But it does not matter right. what's in your heart and how you're raised is really
1: the core of it. Yes, yeah, the key to it. And even though my brother was dark complected with dark eyes and had the dark skin, I never, I've, I've never questioned why I am the way that I am. Mm -hmm. You know, because I had people who were so strong in my background Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: what was I going to do? Question? Yeah, (laughs) I was never Mm going to question that. Uh -uh.
0: No, no, No. at all. No, No. and my sister never has either. No, but you know, April, I think that um, whether you realize it or not being playing that role in the princess contest i think served you served as such a role model for so many young women coming up and you help pave the way for those that don't fit that stereotype because now you know my sister is you know essentially in very similar shoes that you were in and She's able to do that job with, and knowing that it's been done before by somebody that looks like me and is a little spicy like me too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a little spicy. Sometimes I can be a lot spicy. It's just, it's just according to what's going on. You know my temperament.
0: Yeah, girl. Yeah, I do. <laughs> With two peas in a pod. Yes.
1: I do have a temperament, especially if I see that people are not treated the way they need to that, be treated. That's
0: exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, April, you touched on... So, let's let's talk about how long have you been here at Porch?
1: Well, as a matter of fact, this week I had to go to a meeting at the HR department Monday morning, and they gave me my 35-year plaque. Good Lord. So, I have been here most... As long as some people have been alive on the face of this earth. <laughs> And I have moved around um, from department to department. and Yeah, we saw your resume. (laughs) Yes, I know that whenever I went in to to see Mr. Tullers or to Beaufort, chances are I was getting ready to get moved.
0: Mm. (laughs) So they decided for you. You didn't always have a choice in that? Choice What's that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about two former tribal leaders who, um, when you walked in their office— you just said, yes, sir.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's the reason even today I'm very respectful when I go into a tribal leader's office. Even though we disagree, we don't always have to agree with everything. But that I, I, has taught me, or I was taught very early in life, you be respectful. Even though you may not agree with everything, mm-hmm. you be very respectful. So I would go in and they'd say, okay, this is what we're starting and, and this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you know there was no HR and you had to apply. There wasn't applying. Hmm. Uh, I've never applied for a job. Really? Mm-mm. in your life. Huh. They've moved me. <laughs> They've moved me. I started out in family services because Tim told me it was time for me to come home. And this is what you're gonna do.
0: Sister. And this is
1: what I'm going. this is what you're going to do. And um, then the court system came about. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you guys know her as well as I do, Wanda James. Um, She started out in the court system, and then she was moved to be Tim's executive assistant. Mm-hmm. So I moved into the court system because um, he went. What? He, that's when he was at UCIT right? Uh, no, he was here. He was okay. He was here at Port. She was okay. the tribal administrator.
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. So I did um, too. Mm-hmm.
1: they moved. And then they called me and told me that I was going into the court system, so I was leaving family services, going into the court system, and I worked for years with Ernie White. Then um, came about that um, Buford called me in the office, Mm -hmm. and I went from the court system to the health department, and we were established in the Alcohol and Substance Abuse Program because that was a new... Um, initiative established by Indian Health Services. Yeah. So I went that route. So I stayed in there for a little while. And then I went from the health department to... I think I went back to the court system. I put a few on there. I didn't list all your jobs there was, <laughs> I went. I went from the health department and I went to... And um, I didn't stay long, so I can't remember what I did between that. And then I came back to the health department because we needed to hire. That's when we got into the mental health initiative. Mm, So we had alcohol and substance abuse and mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, we, at the time, we hired um, Patty Wheat. Um, We had a part-time psychiatrist. And we were all crammed in to the to the back wing where Mr. Buford was. Oh, wow. so we which were,
0: building were y'all
1: in at that time? Um, we were in the bol- old Building 100. Okay, so the so, old health. Yes. Yeah, so they, the tribal council. Right, tiny, tiny, tiny. Tiny, tiny, tiny. And we were on the back wing that they added later. Oh, gosh. Where they um, actually um, wanted to have the drive-through uh, pharmacy. hmm But um, – buford left the health department side and went over into mm-hmm. the new side because the other side was mr tullis's office mm-hmm. and um tribal administration oh, right. we were all in that one building oh,
2: my goodness.
1: so i was there for a while and then i went to um to the gym mm-hmm. <laughs> and worked there for a while and then we have a, had a little hurricane by the name of Hurricane Ivan. Mm-hmm. Gosh. So Mr. Tullis remembered that they had sent me down to Miami to um, work with um, close to Seminole and some of the tribes there after Hurricane Andrew.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, that was during the time my brother passed away, and Mr. Tullis came to um, – to that, my parents' house, and he said, "I know you're upset, and I know you got a lot going on, but you got to come back to work. We've got a storm out in the gulf, and we're going to be um, we don't we don't know what's in your head." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I came back um, to work right after Hurricane Ivan. We knew it was out in the gulf, and I can remember my daddy telling me, "I said I got to stay here." He said, "You're not staying here." I've done lost one child, not going to lose another one. Right. Okay. So I had to leave mm-hmm. and go with my parents um, to a hotel on the other side of Birmingham, and I said, okay, this is the promise. I will go with you so you're not worried about me, but I've got to be up very early the next morning and come back to porch because this storm is going to be mm-hmm. a yeah. bad on our community. So yeah. that's how we developed the emergency management system that is currently so Hurricane Ivan.
0: Hurricane Ivan. I was curious about how you found your way into the fire department. And what's so interesting, too, is I know at one point in time we were just a volunteer fire department we for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that people may have forgotten, but I have I remember seeing this picture in some old issue of the... Um, Course
1: news. Mm-hmm. It was an almost all female volunteer fire it department was because we all worked here. Mm-hmm. So Ronnie would say he was the fire chief, but he was backed by a very strong group of women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we went to a call one um, day at the prison. Uh, one of the um, dormitories at the prison was on fire, and the prison guards laughed at Ronnie because he said, "Here I saw." This fire truck coming, then all I saw was a bunch of women getting off the fire truck. Hmm. We had the fire knocked down, taken care of. We were uh, loading the hoses back up. And Atmore, the city of Atmore Fire Department, which was all paid department, came rolling in and he came up later to Ronnie. He said, I'll never make fun of you guys again <laughs> because it was all women. Yeah. Because yeah. we all worked here. Yeah. Oh. So going back to your original question about the um, how the um, uh, emergency management came in. So I worked 120 straight days uh, trying to get this community <sighs> established and wanted the uh, back to where we were. And luckily for us, it was also during the time in which, um, in Washington, D.C., they opened the, the Smithsonian Native American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so... The tribe took everybody on three or four buses up there, so that allowed this community time to heal Mm -hmm. before they came back. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daddy and Jerry and Julius, they had Mm 18-wheelers. They had refrigerated trailers. So what we did was, you know, we were playing this by air. We didn't know what we were doing. So... We brought the trailers in, and if families did not want their food to spoil, sure. mm-hmm. then they would bring it and put it in the 18-wheeler, and it would freeze. Huh. But at the same time, that's the only time that we've allowed to have food stamps mm-hmm. for a long time, because you know now, of course, the tribal members doesn't qualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were able to qualify for emergency food stamps at that point in time mm-hmm. because they were gone. So yeah. Most of when they came back, most of their food was. Had spoiled, had yeah. thawed out and mm-hmm. spoils, and that was a very a good year for crops in the gardens. Mm-hmm. So they had canned and they had um, put up all their vegetables, and it was gone. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Hurricane Ivan taught us a lot, and it actually started the emergency management program. At, and then years, a couple years later, then we had something called Wind Creek. Mm -hmm. came about. And in order for us to meet the demands of the Gaiman Commission and Gaiman Authority, we had to have a um, career fire department. Mm. We started in December. They gave us four weeks to hire firemen so that on February the 1st, 2009, there would be a career fire department to be able to respond to any needs or in emergencies that occurred um, at Creek Creek, Atmore. Yep.
0: That's That's how we got it. That's crazy. I mean, because all of those pieces are constantly moving, and you don't really, like, people may know, and it's like, oh, we've got a fire department now, but you don't understand all of the pieces that are moving and the why behind why we had to have a career fire department and, like, what those changes were. And I just think that's so interesting because usually, you know, decisions aren't just made like randomly yes. you know and it's and it's not always because oh well you know they they did that just so such and such would have a job yes. no they believe it or not there's there's typically <laughs> a good reason behind why things have to happen the way that they do
1: i always said that back there we had people who were in in positions that was able to forecast mm-hmm. they were able to look ahead and Hey, we're going to need that. And that taught me a lot. So um, in our line of work, if I'm doing the same thing today in 2023,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we're not moving. Mm -hmm. Then I need to move on. Mm -hmm. But if we have grown, then that means that we are forecasting that we are looking further for our people. Mm -hmm. Um, But having that career fire department allowed us to be able to do things in this community that we never thought we'd be able to do. Mm -hmm. And what are some of those things? Some of those things we are working on developing our, um, uh, a a system in which we will be able to do more with the people as far as medical care. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called um, community medicine, you know, going into the homes and, and, we're rural so mm-hmm. how long does it take for an ambulance to get to us if one is available it takes a hot minute because i know um we didn't even call the ambulance we called the fire station See? right down the road for See? nanny yep. and had them on speed dial that and that's what we and we go in and we help people um if they fall fallen we we help them mm-hmm. get up off the floor so we've been able to expand those service but of course there's an there's a automatic transition to our next step. So we want to have our advanced life support non-transport mm-hmm. license so that we'll be able to go in and to diagnose more. If someone is having a, a cardiac issue, we'll be able to um, do a 12 lead and we'll be able to get on the phone with an emergency physician and start a line and and um, determine at that point in time if an ambulance is what we need or if we need to land the helicopter and send our people um, to um, more appropriate care. Uh, so that's the transition we're making. We started out as just firemen for um, the casino, and now we're in the community. And I just had two guys to travel with the seniors. They just got back this weekend, and, and um, so we're able to do that. What I mean, other they community? Some stories. Oh, they always have. <laughs> but think about it. What other community in this, in the United States, do, do you have that kind of response or that kind of attention yeah. or that kind of one on one care that we have been able to provide to our community? And I will say, like, I'm so thankful for you guys because every single time we would call, you guys would come and it didn't matter what time it was. Absolutely. Y'all were always so like patient with Nanny. You did your best to calm her down yep. and it was I don't So you know what my key awesome. to, you know what my key to that is? I can teach you how to be a fireman, but I can't give you a personality. No. And that's exactly right. And
0: just to piggyback off of what Katie was saying, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, Whenever Granny was getting, Granny Bernstein was getting towards the end, Mm -hmm. she would have, like, just kind of fallen-out episodes. Mm -hmm. And usually it would happen when she was either getting in or out of the shower. Mm -hmm. And so she was, you know, naked as a fresh baby. And (laughs) they would look at her in her face. Mm -hmm. They were so respectful. They would get her covered up just Mm -hmm. as quickly as they could. Mm -hmm. They never looked at her any kind of way or was never any disrespect or they treated her with so much dignity and respect.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's what they deserved. Mm Look at, look at what she did. She was one of the uh, original members of the tribal council. We treat everybody that way. Everybody has a right to be respected. No matter who you are, where you are, you have a right for a certain level of respect. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I have instilled or my captain's head's instilled on the new guys. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just hired a new guy. He was a paramedic, and we've hired him from Mobile. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, we've got to move in that, that direction. direction. Uh-huh. So we've got to have people here that's trained to do fire, but also trained in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Um, so his name is Jerome. So Jerome came to me, and he said, He's told the other guys because, unfortunately, Jerome came to work when my father was sick, so I haven't gotten to know Jerome. But he told the other guys, he said, you know something? He said, I have never been treated or received in a community like this ever. Mm. You know, in Mobile, you are a number Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you may be at this station one day or that station another. But here, you get to mix and mingle with the individuals Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that you're going to service. You mm-hmm. get to know them as an individual. Mm-hmm. You get to see them on their worst day, and we get to see them on the happiest day in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look here. I love my firefighters. Oh, yeah. And they have played such a pivotal role um, in this community since the inception of the yep. Career Fire Department. Yep. But I think a lot of the community members that maybe um, – Have been blessed not to have to have that interaction with the fire fire department because it really if if you haven't had to have an interaction with the fire department that's really a blessing because that means absolutely healthy you haven't had any like life threatening things you know no emergent type situations but. Of course, COVID changed all that, mm-hmm. and we all got a taste of the fire department. I think, you know, <laughs> for better or worse, no, it was all it's always a good experience, though. Well, and y'all, the fire department and emergency management team really played a pivotal role during COVID and then
1: also those two hurricanes that came
0: through. <laughs>
1: bless y'all. Well, yeah. I'll be honest with you. So, we um, we had to go back and we had to look at we went six weeks, and no calls. We knew people were having problems with with their blood pressure, mm-hmm. with their People were afraid.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: what we had to do was we had to work with, y- with y'all's offices, mm-hmm. and this is how we're going to look coming in your home. We're yep. not going to bring anything into your home. Oh yep. We're going to be suited up. We're going to have the proper PPE, but don't be afraid to call us. Tell us. Mm-hmm. Call us. And mm-hmm. after that, it's like, then Katie like, bar okay. the door, so to yeah. speak, Not, <laughs> no pun intended. But it was, they realized that our job is to protect them, but we're also there to treat them. Did we get exposed? Absolutely, we got exposed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even with PPE, because that back then, um, we didn't know. So your exposure, it was changing. And I would have to send my guys home, and I said, okay, you guys, y'all going to have to look at this totally different." If we got PPE on, then we're gonna to have to stay at work mm-hmm. because if we keep on, there's not going, there's, I'm gonna be the only one standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't run those trucks and and be on call all the time, and it is around the clock. We work twenty four hour shifts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they said you're right. You got PPE on. We'll monitor symptoms. You'll keep PPE on while you're here. But you're right. So that's when it changed for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they allowed us to stay at work. But every time someone, any of our patients, or anybody that we responded to tested positive, the guys who were directly with them had to go home, even though they had proper PPE on. Mm-hmm. But it was just, we didn't know. No. Yeah, We didn't know. Yep. But I think the development, all of that, had to do with my opportunity to be involved in so many different programs mm-hmm. within the tribe. So it gave me a um, an opportunity to look at the reservation and the tribe from various, various angles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, being a part of family services, um, dealing with children, then um, the court system, seeing the tribe from that perspective, then the health department those different components of the health department that I was involved with, uh, that taught me a lot. But going to the gym and trying to establish that program also taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know, but at the very beginning, we did not have programs for children. Mm. And luckily for me, and I can't remember how we did it, but um, it was YMCA was the only thing in town, in Atmore, Mm -hmm. where you could go and do soccer. Did we know anything about soccer? Absolutely not. (laughs) We knew a little bit about basketball. Mm -hmm. But the first thing that I had to do was go around and rally some support up for it to be a coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who was going to coach soccer? Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about soccer. Who was (laughs) going to coach? And would you know... uh, People still does not know this, but Donnie Jackson uh, worked at um, facilities, and he was the first person who stepped up and said, I don't know anything about it, but I'll be your coach. (laughs) He'll (laughs) learn. (laughs) He'll learn. And what we did, and I have to say this about Mal McGee, um, Muskogee Metalworks at the time had this old van, and I think it was a van, it was a red van he inherited from, the, um, from tribal government mm-hmm. and they would have it to, um, do things with over, um, if they had to carry things
2: mm-hmm.
1: or move things around. Well, I would go over and I would borrow that red van and I'd come back to the gym and they would uh, drop the kids off in front of the gym and I'd load them up and we would go to Atmore. And I can remember that the, um, Soccer was at four, five, and six, and it was different age groups. Mm -hmm. So I had a coach for each one. A lot of times it was just pulling a parent out of the stands, (laughs) Um, but there was nobody there to cheer for the kids. It was just us. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'd pick the kids up. I'd rush them down to Atmore. I'd offload them with a cooler. You know, all the other kids had – Little boxes of juices. Mm-hmm. All we had was a cooler full of ice and some paper cups. We take a bag so that we did not strove, um trash all over the field.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I'd rush back and I pick up the next group. And I'd rush back and I pick up the group that just just played oh and take it. <laughs> so we did we did that. So all I did was drive. So I had to trust the people that were that was coaching to um be there for those kids and get them now were there fights absolutely cuz you know how our kids were Were, still are. if you looked at them wrong they, they would <laughs> they they turn to be aggressive so mm-hmm. um <laughs> so we we had a lot of learning but that's how we first became involved in organized sports mm-hmm. is through that and um, I can remember that van did not have a good wiper system. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Well we needed the van because we didn't have I didn't have a way to no. to take not the all kids, those kids there. Mm-hmm. No. And not drive back and forth. Mm-mm. So the kids looked at me and said, Miss April, what are you gonna do? I said, Well, you and I are gonna get wet. <laughs> so we rolled down the windows and we took um thread mm-hmm. or string and we would move the Windshield wipers. Windshield, oh my so gosh. you would move it this way, and the other would move it that way. So we had it. So because <laughs> it wasn't raining bad, but it was raining enough that you needed windshield wipers on. The windshield <laughs> yeah. wipers wouldn't work, uh, but we made it through. Yeah. You do what you got to do. We did what we had to do, and and that was a way for us to give back to the kids. And someone asked me, said, "How did you? How did y'all do that? Because it cost. Yeah, it costs, but luckily for me. I had a strong church base and a strong family, and we did fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we yeah. did fundraisers for um, the YMCA for their registration.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I joined as a member, so they classified them as my kids. So I was able to have all of them <laughs> under a membership mm-hmm. fee okay, instead of... The non-membership fee, uh-huh. and then we also raised money to take the kids to softball camp at Alabama. Uh-huh. So my sister went stuff. with you to that's softball right. camp in Alabama, and I never. Um, the tribe paid for the rooms. I uh, sweet talked a lot of people into being <laughs> my chaperones, mm-hmm. and um, but we were able to raise money. Yeah, on the off season to be able to afford to let the kids play basketball and soccer and go to softball camps. Well,
0: uh-huh. I'll say two things. One, um, talking about the windshield wipers, I think our folks have a lot of um, familiarity with the phrase, necessity is the mother of invention. That's
1: right. <laughs> I mean, you, you make do with what you got. And we did. Yes, that's that's exactly that right. That was not an excuse not to take those kids to their game. Mm-hmm. They got off the bus. They were there. We had to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I can remember one of the kids in the back stood up because, you know, that was before we had to do seat belts and all of that, <laughs> thank God. But he stood up and he said, Miss April, I promise you that if I ever become rich, first thing I'm going to do is buy you a van. Aww. <laughs>
0: And you know, and the second thing that comes to mind is um, Mama Clara. Yep. Okay. Because and I'll tell you where I'm going with this, and you probably already know, <laughs> Mama Clara. It's ironic that she was called Mama because she never had any biological kids That's of right. her own, mm-hmm. but she raised so many in this community. And I April, did too. You have too. I did too. You're like the modern day Mama Clara. Yep. Because you have. Um, Had your hand in so many lives. Yep. So many kids that you have influenced. And um, you have been, in, you've been born in this community, raised yep. in this community. You've seen the changes that it's gone through. Good and bad. Good and bad. Yep. Because not, not all of the changes have been good. Nope. But I would say that for the most part, you know. The evolution that our tribe has experienced um, has brought forth a lot of good things. Yes. And, um, and I am so thankful for you and for people like you that have unselfishly given of yourself and your time over the years. Because at
1: the end of the day, that's what our community is. Yeah, That's what my family instilled in me. Just think about it. My grandmother was um, the first um, secretary for the tribal council. Then that went to my mother. And it, I can I can say that growing up, I didn't have a grandmother or a mother because mm-hmm. they were always at a tribal council meeting mm-hmm. every Sunday at 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what was going on. You better not have any family event scheduled because there was a council meeting. Mm-hmm. And that's where everybody was. And then after the council meeting, everybody migrated to the front porch of my grandmother Roberta's house. Mm-hmm. And that's when the discussion took place. Oh, gosh, you know, this is yes. what's going on. This is, this is where we're going. But so all my life, I have been taught to be unselfish with your time. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a part of this community. Um, you are not only a member of this tribe, but you have got a, you got to make a decision. If, you're going to just be a member, or you're going to be a part of. Uh huh. hmm. That's yeah. a big difference. I yeah. can I can sit here and say I'm a member. That's just a roll number. Mm-hmm. But are you going to be a part of this tribe? And a part of this tribe is giving um, yourself and a little bit of your soul to people before you, mm-hmm. people with you, and people that's going to come after you. Mm-hmm. You got to you got to be able to do that, and you got to be able to do that willingly so that you take, teach the next generation to do the same thing. That's right. Otherwise, 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 where are we at? Yeah. We're never going to grow from where we are, and that's the reason why I struggle a lot, uh, because I feel that some people has taken this tribe for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have a number. Are you a part of it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and when I see people mistreated, and people not respected, then the first thing that does is is take me back years ago to when our people was mistreated and our people was disrespected. If you are part of this tribe, you will not disrespect or treat other people badly because you remember what it feels like. I mean, you can have a disagreement with somebody. That's not what I mean. I'm not talking about a disagreement. Mm -hmm. I mean, just treating people unfairly. Well, and the sad thing about it is I have seen
0: it happen within our own, you know, I'll say our own community, our own family. Absolutely. Like one against the other. I mean, it's it's not like we, um, it's not like, sometimes, you know, we're fighting amongst ourselves. We are. And it's so unfortunate because... You look back, and yet, our community has always had disagreements. Of course. You go back and you read some of those transcripts and stuff, and you're like, yeah, we didn't, not everybody was behind Calvin. No. There were people that thought he was crazy. Yes. And they were like, you are wasting your time. You are making all these sacrifices, and they ain't going to recognize us. No. But... He stuck to it. But um, But just all that to say, that there's always been naysayers. There's always been disagreements. Mm-hmm. But there's always been love.
1: Absolutely. And at the end of the day, we could still go and sit at the table and share a meal together, no matter what happened mm-hmm. the hour before. Mm-hmm. We can still, I, I, I told someone, I said, there was a time that we could not give you anything but give you food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of who we were. Mm-hmm. If we invited you to the table to eat, by, let bygones be bygones. Mm-hmm. That was over and done with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Food was the source of who we were. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was also the reason why we have a lot of, of diabetes <laughs> and, and um, high blood pressure is because food was the component of of who we were and, and how we could handle disagreements. Mm-hmm. It's a way to come together.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: hmm Absolutely.
0: Well, April. Yep. I have enjoyed our time together, and it has flown by. Yep. History lesson. it. it, it, <laughs> it. Well, and I told Katie, I said, girl, has April Sue confirmed with Have you touched base with her just to make sure nothing's come up, and she's still on her way? She said, I sent her an email, and she said, I hope she doesn't have to cancel on us at the last minute. <laughs> I said, she better not, because I've been really looking forward to this walking down memory lane with April Sue. Yep. But, um, so let me tell you okay. real quick, uh huh.
1: You know, April Sue's not my name. No, I did not know that. Yes, everybody calls me <laughs> April. so there is a difference between oh those people God. who know me, you know, as work, uh huh, and those people who are family. Uh huh. Family calls me April Sue, uh huh. Everybody else knows me at April.
2: Uh-huh. My
1: mother could not think of a name to go with April. My mother wanted to name me Kimberly. My daddy said, There's no child of mine gonna be named Kimberly. <laughs> Wow. And he's, and I, my um, Aunt Lucille, which was my grandfather's sister, Mm -hmm. um, Alton Jackson, his sister, Aunt Lucille. My
0: great-grandmother. Yes.
1: She is the one who named me, and I was named after a soap opera character from Uh -uh. General Hospital. Oh, my. Well, my mother could not think of a name to go with April. So you don't have a middle name. I don't have a middle name but the day that my mother and daddy brought me home from the hospital tony which is my daddy's brother yeah. started calling me april sue and that's how it got, that's how it stuck well, huh. and yeah, that's the reason that's the reason something new today yep, that's the reason i said family knows me as april, april sue uh-huh. people who work related just call me April, yep. and that's the difference.
0: Yeah, every time I
1: call April,
0: <laughs> April Sue Sue. Yep. What are we doing today, sis? Yes.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's the difference. That's, that's family true. versus everybody else. Well,
0: April, I have genuinely just absolutely I have enjoyed
1: too. this. I knew yep. this was
0: good for my soul, and I hope it was good for everybody else's soul that we're going to be sharing this with too. Thank absolutely. you so much for being here. No problem. What's next for April Sue?
1: What's next for me? Um, Leaving my legacy of making sure that we have advanced life support in this community. I think that is the transition that needs to be made in this community because um, we are not always assured that the ambulance is going to get here. Mm -hmm. If it's bad weather, we're not assured that a helicopter can land. So what do we need to do to make sure that our family is here as long as we can? Advanced life support.
0: I love it. That's my legacy. I love it. That's
1: what I want to leave behind. Thank you, April. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you all for joining us this time for A Place Called Porch, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you for listening to A Place Called Porch. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit our website, porchcreekindians.org, for more information or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram.